I first ran into Mark Morris at the first ever Evolve Strength Symposium that happened last fall. So he was one of the presenters. I'm going to give you some backstory on Mark. Mark has over 10 years of experience as an online nutrition coach, along with a PhD in human nutrition. So he's been lifting since a young age, and fitness has always been sort of like at the forefront for him. He's played a lot of sports, um, very academic. He went right into school at a high school. And we, we talk about that stuff, but then we talk about where shit has hit the fan. And we talk about things that have brought him joy and things that have made him sort of like shift a little bit and sort of reframe his priorities or just slow down because he he described himself as stoic he is kind of like one of those people where they have that poker face where you you can't tell if anything's messing with them he opened up about mental health and therapy which is important he talked about just general, like very simplified protein advice, which is helpful. When you get a guy like that with all this credibility, it's great to be able to bring their advice on protein to the forefront because then it helps my advice on protein to sound a bit smarter. So I hope that you enjoy this episode and please tag me, tag me at Christian Little on Instagram or at the Lifestyle Chase, tag Mark if you enjoyed this, because it always feels nice when somebody listens to us chat. I hope you enjoy. Welcome to the Lifestyle Chase, Season 2. This podcast features high performers who have found a way to live their best life while balancing their health, wellness, friends, and family. I'm your host, Chris Little. Let's get started. The Lifestyle Chase is brought to you by Yeg Fitness. Yeg Fitness is Edmonton, Alberta, Canada's healthy lifestyle community, creating and supporting active living for all. Check them out online at yegfitness.ca and on social media at Yeg Fitness. So welcome to episode 94 of The Lifestyle Chase. I am joined by the one and only Mark Morris. How are you doing? Good, good. Thanks for having me on, Chris. Well, thank you for joining me. Um, I should ask, like, you you do have your doctorate. Like, how do you go by? Like, what what is your official title? What 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 do people call you most often? I uh, usually just Mark for the yeah. most part. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, PhDs are interesting, right? I think if you're in a university setting and teaching quite a bit, like maybe you uh, uh, are referred to as like Doctor Morris, something like that. But I kind of I. I taught a few university courses, but haven't been involved with it in like the last three or four years. So I'm more or less just normal Mark who happens to have a PhD. Nothing. Love it. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing else like that. So if I was to take a time machine back to your age 14, uh, what was life like? What were you doing? What did you think you were going to be when you grow up? Oh, I probably had tunnel vision around like high school sports I think when I was 14 I have a late birthday so I was always kind of like I would say I felt like a little like slightly behind physically I my birthday's in November so I would have went into high school at like 13 or something so I would have been in grade 10 by the time I was 14 uh and I think at that point I, I just started playing high school football I think I finally took the plunge. Like I grew up playing hockey, um, but a close friend 
was playing football um, with the high school and I decided, you know, I needed like an earlier fall sport. So it was something that I was interested in and started doing it. And then I realized that, you know, for me to get any better at this, I would have been lo- I'm like, I'm five foot seven, 185 most of the time. And at that point I was probably like five foot five, 150 chubby fat type type body composition and i just realized yeah i have to like lift weights to get better at this and that was probably my first uh introduction to i guess you could say like the like an individual sport or like a you know like a a pursuit that's more or less just on your own obviously there's like communities around fitness and health and and lifting but at that point it's like you know i had just played team sports so we all uh cooperated where that was like uh my first you know opportunity to to put some effort into something, gain some benefit and go from there. So I think I was like pretty much tunnel vision around like academics and uh, sports, high school sports. Is that kind of what grooved you towards like your career path today? Yeah, totally. And I think uh, mostly because like I'm, I would say like moderately athletic, not, not tremendously athletic. I think my work ethic has always been what helped me, um, I guess participate. I wouldn't say succeed. I was always, you know, able to keep up with everyone else because I would work hard at it. And I, I just felt like, yeah, I think it's a similar path to a lot of people. Like high school athletics kind of end, and then you continue on with something that you can be either competitive in or interested in. And for me, that was uh, just being a gym rat. And I, and that carried on all the way through university. My undergrad degree is in in chemistry, which I think I like a little more background. Like I was like strong academically didn't really know what to go into i knew it was going to be some level of science but i didn't know if that was going to be like engineering or um another hard science like mathematics probably not mathematics but something like that and i think i applied to um a few different schools in just like general science programs and for whatever reason uh i applied to i think laurier western and maybe university of windsor because that's pretty close to where i'm from and uh I decided on Laurier as the university I wanted to go to just because of the student experience and stuff. Uh, but applied for the general science program and they actually put me in the chemistry program. Uh, they just like kind of like shuffled me into like, they're like, maybe they disbanded their general science program or something. So they put me in chemistry and the first year was pretty general anyway, but then I just, I just stuck with it. I liked the people I was uh, like going to school with and stuff. And it seemed like the right approach. So I just kind of stuck with it. And at that point I really had no idea what I was going to do still, but really liked lifting weights. So I probably was like in a lab, but also mostly paying attention to what was going on in the gym and just completely um, spending most of my time researching nutrition and health and, and that type of stuff. So it was kind of like an interesting scenario. And I think I tried to, at the time, Laurier had a good business program too. And I thought they had a dual degree of business and science, but they didn't have a dual degree of like almost like like kinesiology and like biochemistry type stuff, which was probably really been my main focus. And uh, so I just stuck with chemistry and then probably spent all of my time in the weight room. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah. awesome. Um, knowing what you know now um, and knowing what you were like when you were 14, what would be the most simplest nutrition advice that you would give to your 14-year-old self? My 14-year-old self? I remember like – I remember – some of the th- things I thought at that time, um, 
were just so interesting. Like you just go through phases. I remember, I remember working in the summer, going into grade 11 in a, like a Greek food restaurant, washing dishes. And they would send me home with like a gyro and, and fries every night. And I remember just like gaining 25 pounds that summer, uh, and getting quite a bit bigger. I'm just trying to, the, the most simplest. So like the phases would be, I was, you know, you'd go between like, well, I want to get leaner and then I want to like get huge kind of thing. So I think this, the simplest advice would be like, just slowly gain body weight as you adjust and not go through these like drastic cycles of, you know, of different focuses and stuff. Right. I think I probably could have spent a lot more quality time just gaining muscle in a slow and controlled fashion. But when you're, you know, 14 to 18 years old, that's not very appealing. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Well, has there ever been a time where you felt like, oh, I just wish I could get more lean? Like, what, what's your approach towards that? Oh, I think that like is it like constantly goes. I think I probably haven't escaped from that mindset of that <laughs> as that high school kid. I think I'm always looking to be like um, bigger and leaner. It's kind of the conundrum we're faced with in this in these circles, right? Like, you yeah. always want to be improved, but you also like, I don't know, most of us that are like doing this stuff naturally just don't have that, uh, ability to gain muscle and get like quite a bit leaner at the same time. So I think it's one of those things that's constantly going through my head, but it's just slower phases of that stuff. Now I think it's just like more net. Yeah. I think like, um, probably every two years I spend, you know, some like 12 weeks getting leaner, kind of resetting things and then going back to just the slow, steady climb up of, of a little bit more food and, and hard training. I mean, the training doesn't really change all that much most of the time, but it's just um, slower phases of, of a different focus. But I think when you're younger, it's just kind of your attention um, just changes so quickly based on, you know, what you're hearing and listening to and in your social circle and what they're doing. And, and half the time, when you're in that scenario, someone like me, the person that you're listening to has like, like at that age, no credentials. They're probably the most athletically gifted friend you have. And you're listening to them for that, that reason. And, uh, and you just can't replicate what they have going on anyway, because it's out of their control and yours. So, um, yeah, yeah just being a little more realistic about everything. It's a good way to yeah. put it. I'm curious about like your, your coaches growing up because you would have been in all these different sports and yeah. trying all these different things. But I feel that uh, coaches can tend to influence you to either leave a thing or stay in the thing. What was what was your experience with that? Um, I think, yeah, that's a that's an interesting point. I think, um, again, I was like, uh, I would be younger physically all the, through the entire time. And I think I, at one point I remember... A really tough decision for me was going back for a fifth year of high school and just playing high school football. That was like something that people did at that time. I think in Ontario, we had something called OAC and it was like a fifth year optional year of education that people would like go back for and maybe take a few more courses to strengthen their um, applications for university. And I was doing that purely just to play sports again. Um, and that was like my focus. And I remember like, I remember having to tell my football coach that like, this made no sense for me at all to do. And I'm actually just going to go to university and there being like a weight lifted off my shoulders. And I remember just thinking, I think everyone was like, yes, academically, you need to like leave this and like just playing sports wouldn't, isn't going to serve you any, any good anyway. So I think a lot of times like my coaches are just kind of like, 
like a mindset of like, you've outgrown all of this already. Like, why would you be doing this? And that like, you need to move on and go on to bigger and better things type thing. So I think that like, kind of like almost, uh, like a, a push in the right direction to do other things and, and be bigger and better. And, and maybe at the time where I'm thinking like, Oh, I want to play university football or something. And that probably wasn't in my interest anyway. And, and they knew that. And it's like, you got to fly now kind of thing. So I think they pushed me to like, um, more of a career than, you know, what my adolescent mind would have wanted me to do. I like it. That that's a good answer. So in jumping into the academics, um, did you just do it right away? Did you have like one of those uh, vacation years? What was your trajectory? No, I I literally went straight through from like I didn't take any time off and like pros and cons to everything, but I think it benefited me. Um, my PhD took me longer than it probably should have, but it took me like five and a half years instead of um, four. But I I transferred from the master's program into the PhD program, so it was a bit extended um, anyway. But yeah, I went from um, undergrad getting there at like 17 and going through for the four years straight and then moving to, uh, Saskatchewan in 2009 and then, um, graduating in, I guess it would be 2015 or something. So I went all the way through. Um, and yeah, I just, it was kind of like slowly chipping away at stuff. I, I knew when I was transferring into my PhD, I, I asked one of my advisors, um, who I like respected and trusted. Uh, I asked her, I was, I was like, this is going to sound like selfish, but like, I don't want to go into this to be an academic. Like that would be a nice thing to do, but I would like to do this type of stuff so that I have like, um, you know, high level credentials in, in, in fitness circles. And maybe that'll help me like, you know, like, publish books and type stuff. And I, and she was supportive of that. She said like, that's not a ter that's not a bad reason to do something. And I, I almost kind of felt like it was like, like, uh, like I was getting away with something or, or like not the right reasons, like something that was selfish. And she's like, no, that makes total sense to me. So I always kind of knew that was my focus and what the, the long-term plan was. So, um, with that in mind, I was able to just keep chipping away at it and, and finish it. That's an interesting point. It kind of brings up like, so many fitness professionals kind of get into this uh, this corral of like thinking that they should have what other people have or uh, thinking that other people care what we want to do. Like a lot of a lot of uh, personal trainers thrive in being themselves versus trying to be like that other personal trainer that they look up to. <laughs> um, what yeah, I what what yeah, is so your think, uh sorry we're well, cutting each other off but like what what is your your stance or your experience in that in because you've done all this schooling you've had other people that you've competed against you've had other people offer different business platforms from all over the world what what's been your like core values that have kept you on your path well that's a good point i i i'm not sure i'm gonna <laughs> when I say core values, I think this will, this will be, I, I remember like, so speaking to that point directly about like comparing yourself to others and, you know, kind of almost like keeping up with the Joneses in terms of like certifications and, and, you know, different things that you're doing. I remember, so I was taking my chemistry degree and I remember going to a lecture or like, it was kind of like a weekend seminar or something like that in 2006. Like this is before a lot of this stuff became popular. Um, and John Berardi was speaking at it and that was like the reason why I wanted to go to it because I was like, I've read, I read all of his stuff on T nation. I was like 
super interested in like, how do I take this stuff seriously? Like, could this be a career for me? And I remember him speaking, um, like edu educational knowledge-based talk. Um, and at the end during the question and answer period, uh, uh, some mom that was in the crowd was like, my, my son is starting to take this stuff more seriously. Like how, how do they become on a career path? Like how do they do something like you're doing? And like typical answer, he was like, I, I'm really not sure. Like, I, I don't know how to get here. Uh, like take your, you know, education seriously and work really hard, that type of answer, right? Uh, like real nonspecific, pretty general stuff. And I remember at that point thinking like, that was my question. Like, how do I do that? I don't know. I didn't gather really much from your answer, but I see the letters at the end of your name and I'm going to try to replicate that identically. And even if I, if I work real hard and, you know, do it, then I'll probably become close to it i guess um and that's literally what i did and i think that was my tunnel vision around all that stuff i saw like phd cscs and it was like i need to do this entirely the same way and and i don't know i i guess like through i don't know maybe it was sheer luck or just being stubborn like it it happened um and i think i've benefited a lot from it but all, all, there's a lot of things that i do in my day-to-day business and coaching that I don't need any of that stuff for like at all. Like I think literally a lot of times, like I, I think my experience has helped me become a better coach, but I don't know if those like academic pursuits necessarily did maybe some like critical thinking and stuff and communication and, and, and written, um, you know, being able to communicate effectively and stuff has benefited from that. But at the end of the day, like I don't think it was those credentials, but we get so, you know, so much tunnel vision around those specific things. Like I need to do exactly like that. And maybe, you know, putting yourself through those challenges and growing is what like actually you benefit from as opposed to the actual credentials. Right. So I think I'm the exact example of what you're talking about. So when you're saying like, yeah, what are your core values around that? I'm like, I'm not, I would need to reflect a little bit on that because I'm really, I'm not really sure. I know, I know that like, obviously like working hard is important and setting goals for yourself and trying to accomplish something is important. Um, maybe what you're accomplishing isn't, you know, the end goal or the outcome isn't what's important, but just what you learn along the way and, and where that takes you um, is important. So, so that's kind of like my. In in like a week, um, you have all these th things that happen. You have your career stuff. You have your family stuff. You have your own stuff. Like we have to take time for ourselves. Um, what are the things for you that have to occur? every week for you to be living your best life? Uh, that's an evolving process. So like things have really changed for us. Uh, my wife and I welcomed a little boy and yeah, Max, uh, he's like 10 months old now. So last March, um, Max came into this world. So things have like really changed, um, for us quite a bit. Uh, I think a lot of times, like I have this vision for myself right now of being like, um, like obviously family is really important. So I'm trying to um, juggle both roles as like a father and contribute. And my wife, Amy, has tons of good quality stuff going on in her life too. So she's on mat leave, but she keeps up with a lot of stuff. Um, she's a cancer survivor. So that uh, within the last, I guess, two and a half years now. So things have been pretty crazy in the last three years in our lives. So she's really active in, in the, the cancer community. So trying to juggle um, that stuff and make sure she has time to spend time within her career and giving back and that type of stuff. So making sure that that all moves and also training, I think is probably the one thing that I need to do to um, make sure I uh, just 
mentally stay healthy. And I know that allows me to like, you know, release some, some pressure and tension and just stay involved in the stuff that I love. And I think like it, it, a lot of times it, it ends up being like a whole whack of busyness. So within that, just having the foresight to like, what do I need to do to keep um, my business growing? What do I need to do to keep my uh, family uh, healthy and happy and like trying to focus on those things and just like manageable things that I can kind of tick off that will keep everything moving in the right direction. Cause a lot of times we just get so, you know, stuck in the lists and the, the, like the to do things and, you know, you end up working within your business as opposed to on, like on your business. And that's probably been the biggest thing that I need to focus on to keep things moving. So I know that's kind of, I don't know, does that answer your question of what yep. like yep. needs to happen? Yeah. So yeah. with with your business, what have been like some some pillar moments for you? Like you've you've probably had a lot of times when you've had big wins, maybe you've had big losses. See if you can outline a few. Um I think that I think anytime anytime I get too stuck into I mean there's like like most of the stuff I do is online online coaching. Like the the core structure of my business is online nutrition coaching. So I get really involved in in client correspondence and stuff. And if I find that like I'm doing too much on the client fulfillment side of things, I I don't have an opportunity to share and educate and put myself out there, which kind of makes the growth aspect tough. So it's like balancing those two sides of things. Where like if you don't focus on working with your clients and delivering a, a quality product either, then you're not going to get any referrals, but it's trying to like balance those type of things. So really um, I'm very practical um, in what I do and my business. And I'm just, I, I like to be able to like, okay, well, what do I actually need to do this week? Um, so I don't just get stuck punching the clock and working for the sake of working. So I, I need to like take a step back and really look at things. So being able to graph that over time has been really, really important. Because I will just like, I'll just put my head down at work. Like I work for like 10 hours straight and I, I, my wife will ask me like, what did you do today? And I, I won't even know. Right. Like I'll like, I, and I, a part of me, like, I just thought like, that's the way to accomplish things. That's the way to do things. So being able to like take a step back and think of like, what do I need to accomplish and what, what is the person I see myself being this week and how does that fit into the long term? And then trying to deliver on that allows things to keep growing because you can get so caught up in that. So that's probably one of the biggest like pillar moments is like actually having a plan and doing your best to stick with it um, in the effort to become the person you want to become or business person or anything like that. So that is probably um, one of the pillar moments. And when I'm not focusing on that, like everything just goes haywire, right? Yeah. And not, not so much like not acutely, right? Like the world doesn't fall apart, but it just, it like, it lends to those regressions that like you don't see coming. Right. So yeah. have you so, ever experienced a regression that you didn't see coming? Uh, yeah. Well, not so much. I didn't see coming. Like when Amy was diagnosed with cancer in 2016, like I had a really hard time like putting myself out there just because I was so like emotionally burnt out. Right. So that was like a lull in things, but it kind of just, I feel like similarly, like people talk about like the stress response being the same things. Anytime I'm stressed in the same sense and not delivering on the things that I need to, to keep things growing, similar things happen. So it obviously wasn't to the same extent, but yeah, like sometimes, yeah, I'll have those regressions when I'm not focusing on like, I don't know, taking care of yourself is so cliche, but I mean like taking care of like what you need to do to keep things growing, right. Is the, is the biggest thing. 
What is so. your what is your way for like just stopping and like getting you what you need in those times of like emotional burnout? Um, well, it's a good. I don't know. <laughs> I that's a tough one because like now that I'm like thinking about it, a lot of times like I I do thrive really well under pressure. So it's just learning how to apply that when it's like important and knowing that like I remember a lot of times even when I was working through my PhD like sometimes you do things just for the sake of doing them and you're like sitting down and that 10 hour day could be like a five hour day if you just manage your time a bit more effectively. So it's learning to know when to back away and say like, I'll, I can accomplish this like tomorrow and giving yourself a bit of time just to like say like, this isn't a step backwards. This is something that you need to do to be more effective when you are actually working. Cause I think we've all had those periods where it's like, I'm doing this for the sake of thinking that it's the right thing. And I think we've all have examples of like different coworkers or bosses that you see do that as well, right? It's like, you don't need to be doing this right now. Like you could be doing something else that'll allow you to be more effective. Like you're just, you're just lying to yourself really. So it's just being able to like step away when you need to step away, knowing that like it's actually going to help you in the long run. It's like making the hard decisions to set yourself up for success and knowing that like, I know it's so much easier to do when you have a plan for that, right? So kind of having an idea of like what your, you know, day slash week slash long-term stuff looks like so that like you can effectively plan that stuff in. Yeah. Um, yeah. So how did you meet your wife? Like what, what's the story there? Uh, that's a good question. So we met, uh, so we would have like in at the U of S the college of pharmacy and nutrition is like they're both schools are under the same umbrella. Um, so we would have had mutual friends and, uh, we just like I don't know, caught each other's attention and, and met up and, and kind of went from there. And then we ended up kind of like not working together, but kind of operating in some of the same circles and stuff and, and going from there. And it's just like uh, um, everything just clicked right away and, and it's been really good. And then and then um, I was like super into powerlifting at the time. At the time um, and she wanted to get involved with it. She was doing like a lot of running. And she wanted to get more into like lifting weights and stuff. And I was super hesitant at first, but she's like totally dove into that, uh, that area. So she ended up like winning nationals, setting like a, uh, national squat record and stuff. So that, like she kind of, um, like shared that, that area of my life with me. So things just like continued to grow from there. And, and yeah, now we've been together for, uh, yeah, it's almost, well, we've been, married for three and a half years and obviously been through like crazy life experiences, hoping things like, you know, are normal for a bit. Yeah. <laughs> but that's, yeah. Yeah. So that's more or less the, uh, like the story there. What was it like for you the day that you discovered that she was diagnosed with cancer? Like that would be pretty tough. Hey. Yeah, it was, it was crazy. I'm like, I don't know. I'm, I feel like, I'm, I'm a bit stoic, like with things like emotionally, like blunted at times. Like I just, I, I have to, I don't know if it's like a defense mechanism or what it is. Like maybe like I've convinced myself, you know, like being like a, like a pudgy kid growing up, you got to convince yourself things are like, things are okay all the time. So like, I think my natural reaction is like, oh, this is okay. Well, like this is like, you know, we'll make it through this. This is going to be okay. When really it's just like completely shit, right? It's like the worst thing ever. And instead of just sitting in that awfulness for a bit, I probably like remove myself from it type of thing. Or I remember at times like 
I didn't miss a single one of her like chemotherapy sessions, but I also was like, I, I'd bring my laptop in and work. So I was like there, but also just kind of like throwing myself into other things to kind of like cope and stuff. But yeah, the day that it happened, I think it just slowly got worse and worse. The actual, so she had a tumor the size of um, like a football. It was two kilos big. It was ovarian cancer and it grew like um, so rapidly. So we would have got married um, in September and she was diagnosed in the, like, I think her surgery was at the end of November. It was the, the beginning of November that she was diagnosed. So like within like eight weeks, this thing, we were like, she was in a fitted wedding dress. And within eight weeks, this thing was like, she was like super distended and there's like a huge, large mass. Right. So like everything happened so quickly, but at the time we just thought like, you know, um, maybe there's some sort of issue with like, we had just went on our honeymoon. So she was like distended and stuff, right? Like a normal, like you are bloated from eating like pizza and drinking wine every day for, you know, an extended period of time. Like they seemed normal. So like we went in, we thought it was something else. And then, you know, before you know it, there's <clears throat> a CT scan. And, and at that time we were thinking like, Oh, this is just like a normal, like cyst type thing. This, the, this stuff happens. Then before you know it, like the C word comes out and it's like, this is all escalated in like 10 days. Right. So, I was just crazy. It was like, it was, it was nuts that like this was actually happening. So completely surreal. But also I remember like as an individual, like I'm just, I think her reaction was more visceral and she is like a oncology background. So she kind of like saw this stuff unfolding and probably expected the worst. Cause she just, she knew better. Whereas I'm like an optimist, like, super stoic i don't know i don't know how to describe myself but i was just like kind of like no this is not what it is it's something else you know like it's all gonna be okay it'll be dealt with blah blah and then it finally happened i remember just like sounds so cra- i sound so stupid when i'm saying it but i was like i was like in the like the final appointment like i was working like 10 minutes before on my laptop just to keep things like moving right i don't know like i guess i was like a support person being there and stuff but like also like just trying to keep up with things which is a blessing and a curse, right? You have like this flexible life where you can do stuff from wherever. So sometimes when we're like at an appointment or something, I would like, I think we had been waiting for a couple hours. So at that point I was like, you know, I'm just going to do a little bit of work kind of stuff. Then we went into the appointment and that happened. And I was like, Oh man, this is like, I just couldn't believe it. It was just, it was, it was crazy. So yeah, it was completely surreal. And, and, uh, obviously just devastating. But at the time, I was just thinking, I didn't know what to think. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, yeah. nobody is prepared to know what to think. Like, most of, well, 100% of the time, if something like that, like, comes into a person's life, they're not like, I've been expecting this. I've been anticipating some cancer yeah. diagnosis. So, yeah. and for you to be stoic in that situation isn't necessarily a bad thing. Maybe that's exactly what she needed. Like, if you were like, oh, my God, oh, yeah. my God, like, what, what can I do? Like, that would yeah. maybe, like up her nerves and stuff totally totally yeah well i I guess so like up until i was probably i don't know i would say i've always been i I wouldn't say like i've been like a risk taker everything's been like pretty much like slow um like made some good decisions to put yourself in a good spot and like growing and like maybe coming out here to do my phd and stuff was like a bit of a deviation from like the safe path and stuff and then maybe saying like oh i don't want to go into research but i want to do private practice stuff and and online coaching was like a bit of a risk because you know you're not it's not like a steady paycheck or anything like that but up until i was like 28 my life was like super straightforward and not like 
difficult, I would say. Like it was like pretty par for the course, work hard, things are good. And then like, yeah, so like 2016, it was my dad passed away suddenly from a heart attack. And then we bought a house and then we got married and then that, and then Amy was diagnosed and stuff. So like, it was like a crazy, like, the, like I, I don't even know how to like, I've explained it to like three therapists, you know, like, <laughs> like explaining that story. Like, you know, like I, I it, like when you, every time I say it, I'm like, holy, like that, like, like everything that like bad could have happened, happened in like an eight month window. Right. And just like the baggage that comes with that kind of stuff. And then just being like, like, as you're saying, like a bit um, level headed and stoic, like, like being that person, um, like unpacking that kind of stuff takes a, a a toll on someone. So like all that stuff. And I think like throwing myself into work is just like an escape for me personally, but allows me to like, I don't know, keep a sense of normalcy through all those times. So I don't know. That's kind of like when I say like I thrive on pressure, like I actually did well in some of those situations. Maybe it was just being able to focus on that stuff, but I know that's like allowed me to, probably be a more effective coach. Cause I, I see like always, someone's always dealing with something. Right. And it's so easy to be like, oh, I'm just going to like not focus on myself and I'm going to just focus on something else. And this needs to stop. Cause I need to so focus on, you know, what's going on in my life and the issues and stuff. And it's like a lot of, sometimes like that makes sense, but a lot of times you can hear it in someone's voice where it's like, no, you actually need something else to focus on. That's going to help like as a coping strategy. Right. And yeah. so it's like, well, like, like, that doesn't mean I expect you to be like perfect through this all, but I do expect that like, like we can use this to help you get to the other side. Right. So I don't know. No, you, you nailed it. And it's like, it's important that we talk about all this stuff because like I've had people that were on my podcast that have had similar things happen and people look at these people who are in this place of success or they've had all these accomplishments and they're like, Oh, they, they had it easy they haven't been through what I've had to be through. And if, yeah. if we don't have these conversations, we lose out on that opportunity to make other people resilient. Like, uh, to have all that stuff happen in, like, the course of, like, a year? Holy shit. Like, I would have yeah, never guessed. Never. Yeah, no, I, well, yeah, and I think probably, I mean, everyone copes with things differently, but I'm not, like, I'm very... I'm very public in one sense, but very private in another, which is the complete opposite of Amy. Like if you, you can like check out her social media stuff. She's been, she, she's on like national news when it happened because she actually live streamed some of her chemotherapy um, sessions. And like, I was, I, I was the moderator during it and her friend came in and talked to her about it. Cause she was an onco oncology pharmacist that this happened to. And she had a conversation around, um, at Christmas with uh, a nephew about like what to expect. And he just was like, well, like when do you start radiation? And she was kind of like, well, actually like my, my cancer is different. I'm not going to go through that. I'm going to have like chemotherapy and it's like a completely different thing. And I think like she was able to like take that and say like, I'm going to show people what this is actually like, as opposed to like us, you know, having our own assumptions around it or not really knowing. So like that part is really helpful. So like, I think a lot of times the people that are private with things, like we have no idea what they're going through. And like, it's important for like, sometimes it's helpful to like be able to show that stuff because you know, you know, you connect with other people, you know that you're not alone, but other times we just, yeah, we got to get better at talking about it. Cause like, to me, that's like ending stigma around stuff. It's not, it's like a brave decision, not just to talk about things for the sake of talking about them, but just opening up and connecting. Right. Yeah. And you, you talked about therapists a bit there, like, 
are were you being like truthful like some people actually probably half of my uh personal trainer guests go and they see a therapist and i like to put that out on the table because i think a lot of people are reluctant or they don't know how to navigate that uh doing that so what what's yeah. your experience with that yeah no i i've uh seen a few different ones i remember uh the first the first uh therapist i saw was like the he was a like someone with like 35 years of experience, like within, I, I would have saw him. I don't know when I, I probably only saw him for like six months, but he's on his way out of retirement. So like, I like, I'm always interested in someone's like craft. Right. So like I see things from two sides, like I'm here to benefit obviously from talking to someone about what's going on with me. But like, I'm also just like really interested in people that are good at their jobs. So like, I'm like, kind of like, I was like excited to go talk to him as like things progressed and we got to know each other kind of thing. But yeah, I remember him like, just like, we like sat down and he like just cut into like the problem, right? Like no, like beating around the bush. I remember him like, just like saying like, I remember telling my five minute story about like how crazy things were. And then him just getting to the first question and just like completely broke me down kind of thing. So yeah, I remember, I just know like I was <clears throat> like probably my wife supported me and like saying like, yeah, you need to go like talk to someone like it's important to do that. And I think finally like making time to do that too um, was something that, just needed to happen. And I just, you know, I think I just like searched someone out and, and found like a good fit. Right. I think that a lot of times like we're a little hesitant to like, think, you know, what is this person going to think of me? Like, will they even get what's going on? I think like a lot of just like, you know, health care or fitness professionals have like their bios on their websites. Like you can check out like what someone's about. Right. And see, you know, what their um, philosophy is and, you know, what their life experiences is and pick someone that like, you know, you think you'd be best suited for. So like I've done that a few times and then he retired and then I started seeing someone else. So, um, yeah, like, I don't like therapy is just one of those things where something that's important to make time for. And I think it's like just really cathartic because someone that like does tend to like keep things in, um, it just allows you to, that gives you a, you know, an opportunity to speak what, what's going on and, and in a way that like, you know, a lot of your friendships and, and like, you know, um, close relationships, like ideally there's no judgment, but sometimes it's tough to be, say exactly what you need to say. And even yeah. in those therapy scenarios, it's like, it's tough to say all that stuff, but maybe it's good practice for other scenarios, right? Where like you learn to be, be more, you know, in tune with your emotions and stuff. Well, I mean, like, well, I'm I'm a very in tune with my emotions type of person. <laughs> like if if you look back at like a lot of my posts or my my episodes on the podcast, like I I just put it right all out there, and I just find it so much easier to communicate with people and for people to understand where I'm coming from. Do you find a similar experience for yourself as a as a coach or as just like someone who's guiding people down their path? Like having seen a therapist, has that improved you? Or has it just been the same par for the course? Um, I think no. I, I, I so like conversely, like I'm not, I'm not in tune with my own emotions. Like I feel like I'm uh, quite good at picking up on like what other people are feeling um, and dealing with that. But like I'm always kind of like that, like almost like that superhero complex. Like I don't feel that stuff. It doesn't apply to me, yada, yada, when it clearly does, like it hundred percent does. Right. So like, I think I'm like the opposite end of the spectrum where I was like, I'm not going to talk about myself. Like I'm going to talk about what's going on with you and we're going to deal with that. And that's, what's important. So I think clients just, 
they appreciate when you know you have stuff that you can relate to each other with right so when it's like when someone's saying you know like like my mom's really sick right now. Like I'm having a hard time coping with this stuff. It's like, I know exactly what you're feeling like. Right. And then like opening up in that sense, like, yeah, like I know, like, you know, you're having this never ending battle between wanting to be like leaner, but also wanting to be muscular. Right. Like I, we, I can relate to that type of stuff or just like the bar is never set high enough. And I know you're really tough on yourself. Right. Like just being able to open up in that sense is, is good. And just knowing that like people want to hear that stuff. Right it's not all about them. Like they want to be able to like connect with you. Right. And that just helps you build rapport and trust and, you know, a, a bigger connection, which is like really what coaching is all about. Yeah. It's really not what you're not what you're doing. It's how you like make other people feel. And it's tough for them to experience emotions at that level. If you're not opening up. Right. Has it made you a better listener? Because you talk about how you don't talk so much, but there's a, good chance that you probably receive more of what they have to offer. Yeah, no, I, I think it definitely has made me a better listener and so, just picking up on, on things that you like you need that you should be hearing. Right. Totally. Um, with, with your journey into parenthood, like, was that expected? Was that like a big surprise? What, what was the, the situation there? No, that was probably like the one thing that was planned in all of this. <laughs> um, so yeah, this was definitely something that like I always knew um, I wanted to be a parent. It was something that like I, I definitely wanted to. I had no idea what to expect. And even still, I have no idea what to expect. Like Amy is a rock star. Like she's definitely like much like she's maternal. She knows what to do, that type of stuff. And like I just had... I have no idea. Right. And it's still kind of like evolving and stuff. And with the intent of like, I want to, like, I want to be a really good involved father. So like that part is like kind of tough. Right. And I think that's probably something that like a lot of new fathers go through. Right. It's like, you want to be involved, but you don't really know how. And, you know, I was like, it's funny how like birth order and stuff and like, even just where you are in like, I was really close my mom's side of the family is super close. So we spent a lot of time together and I was one of the youngest cousins. Right. So like in terms of like experience with younger kids, like I don't have tons of it. Right. So, um, whereas like if you're an older sibling or older cousin, like you just see a lot more of that stuff. So like you're familiar with it, right. Like you just are, you know, you know what to do with a baby and stuff. So like that part has been stuff, but it's just like kind of, it's just rekindled like <clears throat> a different, like a love for like learning and experiencing and just being more presence, right? Which is probably the most beneficial part of it all, right? You see, you get to experience like things again that you never thought would be like exciting and they are. So that part is just like, it just brings so much joy to your life. What's been the most exciting thing that you've experienced that you didn't expect to be exciting? Um, He's like, Max is like, he's just so cute. He's like literally like, and I'm like talking empirically, like this kid is cute. So like, I don't know, everything that he like does is like, you just like eat it up, but I'm talking objectively. This child is cute. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> I don't know if you've seen any pictures of him. Like he's just a cute kid. Um, but yeah, like I, I think just like, like getting to live, relive those like moments again. And like, you know, you like take them to the zoo with like animals and stuff and they like get to like see them and they're like faces light up and your face lights up. Cause it's like exciting. Whereas like, if you don't have that stuff, it's just like another thing to do. Right. So it kind of like, it brings a bit more of like childhood wonder to your life, which is you probably a lot of times didn't think you wanted or needed. And like, it, it just does that. And it's like really exciting. 
do you find that that's pulled you back from that work ethic that you have? Like you talked about how you have stoic, you have work ethic, you kind of bury yourself into the grind of like those 10 hour days. Like what's changed yeah. there since being a dad? Um, I think I, I, I wouldn't say I wouldn't don't work as much, but I'm definitely more um, like there's no time to mess around. So it's just much more regimented. There's a better schedule, which is probably lended to like last year was like my best year of um, like financially and success wise. So like, it was just one of the things where like you, you have no choice, but to, and there's like, it's a greater purpose, right? It's not just all about yourself, um, which is important. It's like finding a way to like, which I think we like a lot of times when we can kind of reframe it as that, like, you know, maybe it's like more about like what we're delivering to our clients or it's like someone that's something that's bigger than ourselves. Like you're trying to create a community or something like that. It makes it much easier to do. Um, and when, when there's like a greater purpose around, <clears throat> um, you know, why you're doing a certain thing. It just allows you to be much more effective. So the total amount of work has probably come down a little bit, but the effectiveness and stuff has, I've just, you know, you got to get that greater sense of why you're doing something and your reason for why. And it just allows you to like, you know, not mess around. Yeah. Well, I, I think you kind of, you sort of touched on a point that was cool because it has a transferability to a lot of people that would listen to this. And I'll kind of explain what I'm saying here. Um, so when, when you have something that's like greater than yourself, so you, you are a new dad, you have something that's greater than yourself. For me, I'm just going to call the podcast my baby. My, my yeah. podcast is greater than myself. It opens up the door for me to get like such a deeper connection with people around me and like people from all kinds of different backgrounds and helps me grow. And it takes away from the time where I might be able to like, put my nose in a book and learn more about nutrition or fitness or anything like that. However, it almost makes me more effective in that realm. Like I almost like am in a position where that smaller period of time that I'm reading a book, I'll probably get more from the book because I know who I am, what I want, and I know what I'm looking for in that book. Would you tend to agree? Yeah, no, I think like, I think you're just like, you're, 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 the actions around the stuff that you're interested in are, it's just like so much more like applicable. You're seeing examples of it and stuff. So like w during this, like, you know exactly what to like ask me. That's going to like, you know, um, probe a different, you know, life experience or get me to talk about something that like, um, not so much as like pigeonholed or anything, but it's just like so applicable to like the mission around the, the podcast. Right. And you're kind of always searching those things out because you have this purpose around, you want people to, um, learn about this specific thing, right? Like this, like self-realization and like, um, like, you know, like goal setting and becoming the best version of yourself. Right. So it just allows you to kind of like think in that mindset all the time. And then, you know, you just become really good at like asking people questions around that stuff. So you kind of like, you're constantly thinking about that stuff and that part is good. So anytime we put ourselves like in those scenarios and like, you know, you got like a hundred episodes, right? Like you clearly thought about this stuff a lot. Right. And it's allowing you to like act within that which is the most important thing, right? It's yeah. one thing to read a book, but when you like, you can ask questions, <clears throat> get someone else's experience, reflect on your own, like you're just getting tons of real world examples of it. Well, I think it's just important for people to realize like they got to find their thing that is greater than themselves, whether it be something that uh, brings them joy in life. Like, well, essentially something that brings them joy in life. What's life without something that brings you joy? Like yep. w what's the point in like crushing your continuing education or going to university or like 
doing your big business and scaling it up if you don't have something in it that brings you joy because like we only get one life and like if we waste right. it we're screwed yeah like what what are the things that uh fill your cup yeah well i think even just like i don't know, like speaking to that a little bit too i think everyone <clears throat> gets so wrapped up into like what they're passionate about too and like trying to find that and or like it's trying to fit a mold of, of someone else like for example like <clears throat> like to each their own. Like if someone wants to be like a really good like parent and that's their main focus and that's what they want to do, like, like all the power to them. Right. Like they don't need to be super passionate about a sport or something. Right. Or even their, like their career, like maybe their career is something that they do just to like punch the clock that allows them or affords them other experiences uh, in their life because they get to like, you know, you know, you're going to work this job so that you get to spend more time doing your hobby. Right. It's like just being aware of like what that is and, what you want to be doing right like i think a lot of times um we just get this idea that like oh i need to do what i'm passionate about or i need to turn it into a career or any of those things it's like that's not the same for everyone right and i think like the closer you come to realizing what's important to you is is the 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 better off you'll be right um and it doesn't it doesn't look it doesn't it looks dramatically different from other people right and a lot of times it's just like it's finding that thing and then like it doesn't, it doesn't bother me when someone doesn't know it, but when they're like complaining about how miserable their lives are and they're not spending time trying to figure out what that thing is, um, then go for it. But, you know, ignorance can be bliss too. And as long as like, you know, you're content with the way things are, or even if you're miserable and content with the way things are, at least like you have like some intent, like, or some awareness around that. And I think that's the biggest piece is like, you know, what are you trying to accomplish? Maybe you're not trying to accomplish anything at all and that's fine too. But as long as you know what that is. So um, it's just kind of like, yeah, carving out what that that ideal life looks like for you and then trying to strive um, towards, you know, making it work. So something that comes up a lot for me as a personal trainer is just like the topic of protein. And I've just found that if, if I ask somebody about if they're eating protein and then I kind of ask, well, how much protein? Like, are you eating a couple eggs or what? They're like, oh, yeah. And then they outline it and I'm kind of computing it in my head and it sounds like they're having like 50 grams of protein per day. What what would your reaction be? What would your approach be? What's your advice generally? That's a really, a really good question. So I probably... <clears throat> um, being able to study like a lot of like different like dietetic approaches, like the main thing I do with clients is just like an assessment, right? Like I'm not going to give anyone um, recommendations without knowing like what they do in their day-to-day lives because it doesn't allow me to like find the middle ground of like where they need to go, right? Like we have an idea of what are the optimal ranges for most people of protein intake for someone that's participating in resistance training or trying to improve their body composition, right? The lower end for most people is like 1.5 grams per kilogram of body weight, um, to like upper end of like any more than three probably isn't necessary in the majority of cases. Right. So we have that optimal range, but what if we don't know what's going on normally, like just setting someone at two, um, grams per kilogram or like a pound or or one gram per pound of body weight, like might be such a huge stretch. Right. So being able to study in dietetics allows me to like do some like assessment type um, techniques to say like, where are you actually at? How does that compare to the theoretical values and kind of go from there. And by doing this with probably like a thousand people over the last eight years, yeah, like protein is definitely 
if it's not underreported, it's also underconsumed and always one of the like the things that are on the lower end of the optimal ranges um, for the most part. So a lot of times, um, like the typical North American diet just doesn't have a lot of protein at like the first meal for sure, right? Like a lot of like quick convenient foods are all, are mostly like um, are just easily are, are carbohydrates. So um, nothing against carbohydrates. It's just that you don't eat a lot of protein at, at breakfast most of the time if you have <clears throat> a busy life that, you know, you can't prioritize that. So like increasing it at, at, at breakfast is something that's important, but also just knowing like what your day looks like for the rest of the day and having some sort of parameter to shoot for is something that I find that is, is important as well. So like, you know, setting a, a total protein target for the day is something that is good, but not not just setting it based on the optimal range, setting it based on like what you typically do and then building on that. Right. So you have that person where you're adding it up in your head and it's 50 grams. Like if you're going to start them at 155, like way to make them feel like they're failing right off the hop. Right. So it's yeah. like, yeah, maybe we, maybe we shoot for like 110 this week. Um, let's outline some ways that you can, um, increase what you're already doing and, and shoot for something that's reasonable and, and build on that. There's a very good chance that, you know, you'll feel higher levels of satiety and, and things will start moving in the right direction. You'll probably like, you know, recover faster from our sessions, that type of stuff. Um, and then it will just build on that. So that's the biggest thing with protein, but you're completely right. So like of the macronutrients, it's going to be the one that's the most important for body composition goals, which is for the most part, why people are coming to see you um, in most cases. Yeah. Uh, and so like just focusing on that will allow you to like really open up some doors. Well, I like how you put it out there because like it's it's we're we're on the same page. So I, I feel fairly safe in just how important protein is for satiety and stuff. But I read up on some articles about just like how it's so much more than that. Like it contributes to mental health. It contributes to like immune system is. Can you speak to any of that? Well, I think a lot of times a lot of, so it makes sense that we're thinking about protein intake from like a muscle, like protein synthesis standpoint, right? Like it's obviously involved in that, but yeah, it's not like, it's not just involved in muscle protein synthesis. It allows you to develop, you know, like your immune system is going to be active in that. So a lot of times when we study this stuff in an evidence-based sense, when we're thinking of just the outcome being like what happens in our skeletal muscles, we overlook everything else that's going on in our guts, in our immune system and that type of stuff, which is also tougher to measure. Um, especially if the focus isn't on that, right? Because we're thinking a lot of times like the focus is in like some sort of exercise science, kinesiology background, that's the outcome. So that's what we're looking on. But yeah, it's involved in so much other stuff. So that's where like a lot of the claims around like you only need 30 grams per setting, uh, per sitting originated from because the outcome they were looking at just focused on muscle protein synthesis and not the role that it has in everything else. So yeah, it's not just, um, what's going on in our muscles. It's like what's happening in our total body. Perfect. The flip, the flip side of this though, is that once someone becomes indoctrinated in protein being important, you can see the opposite happen as well. Um, so sometimes when I do an assessment on someone like, like generally what we're, what we're just talking about is probably the general population, people looking to get in shape and just put a, greater emphasis on their health. The the other scenario I see a lot of times is someone that has been in, you know, a gym setting for a large period of time. They're thinking about this stuff and now it's like protein, 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 right? Where they start to focus on that and they don't eat any dietary carbohydrate 
at all. So their like fiber intake is low. Like they're not, they're no longer consuming like fruit and vegetables as often as they should be. Um, and their protein is so high and their carbohydrate intake is low, right? Cause they've just been so indoctrinated around protein being so important. So the flip side is like, sometimes that you overlook other important macronutrients or foods that'll con contribute to their health, um, for the sake of just consuming protein. So I see that a lot of times that happen. And then, and then usually when they come to me, they're thinking like, I'm having a really hard time, like getting leaner and performing in my activity, like what's going on. And I take a look at it and it's like, well, you are now like, you're basically like almost in like ketosis. And for the majority of people that isn't necessary either. Right? Yeah. So it's like, well, now let's put the protein, like maybe let's decrease that a little bit, increase your carbs. And you're now like within, you know, more optimal range and you have better energy and everything else falls in line. Right. So that's the flip side of that, but it typically is much more, I, I see it much more often in someone that's been kind of within that circle for a longer period of time. Yeah, absolutely. I just wanted to get that segment in there since I have you here and like I, I have a lot of my clients listen to these segments. I'm like, look, yeah, I'm going to put experts in front of you. I'm going to get them to say their their stance on protein and then hopefully yeah. it matches mine. And then you have that much more confidence in the, the choices that you're making in the gym to make this sustainable so you can do this into your 80s. Yep. And... I Go ahead. Well, I think the best thing you can do is just 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 track um, for a period of time and see what is typical for you. It's not something that you need to do forever, but just get a sense of like what is actually happening. And a lot of times, yeah, protein is on the lower end of things. And the and the one of the easiest things you can do is just increase your serving size of like what you typically would eat and start there, and then try to incorporate a few new um, servings of different proteins, right? Yeah, like I, I'll usually tell a person, you know, like do a little bit of a journal because you don't know unless you know. And exactly. then they are enlightened as to what they are consuming. And then when they are more aware of, of what's what's in the food that they eat, then they're more empowered to sort of control like the portions of each thing. But I want to rein us back in, back into the whole Lifestyle Chase brand. In the last week... What's the thing that has made you the happiest, brought you the most joy in the last seven days? Um, I think I'm very fortunate to know that like, you know, like I'm in control of a lot of these things. So um, especially like with my, my business and my family. So like that definitely gives me joy knowing that like I can put effort in, and steer the ship in a different way. And that's all at my fingertips. I, I, I'm very motivated by that. Um, but yeah, just... And just being able to spend time with my family has definitely been something that's like really, really important to me and um, I'm enjoying. But I think that's like, it's twofold. I think having that lifestyle and being able to know that like you can carve um, that time out for yourself and while still being able to excel at other things is definitely something that like, like definitely speaks to me. And I, um, I feel very fortunate about that. Love it. So I have a question that I ask all of my guests and then I put it all together. Sometimes I toss some cold play in the background, make it sound special. So here is the question. If you could give one piece of advice to someone on how to live their life to the fullest in the most true to themselves way, what would that piece of advice be? Well, you got to figure out what, what you want is the biggest thing. And I think I spoke to that a lot um, throughout this conversation. It's just, spend some time figuring out what that is. And it, it might not be something that like 
immediately comes to mind and you might have to do some soul searching and living before you get to that point but just being on a journey of trying to figure out what you want and and maybe by the end of that you it might be completely different than what you thought but that awareness piece and just being in tune with that um will allow you to probably live your best life just that awareness piece i love it that's perfect yeah i think we just i think we just get so wrapped up into like just just living, you know, without actually living, right? Like you're just checking boxes, doing stuff day to day. And that like, that's fine for a period, right? Like as long as there's like phases of it, like you can't be bang on all the time. But I know that like a lot of times you're doing that because maybe you're trying to like escape the big questions or the the big things or the things that you truly want because you're like, and you're just afraid of executing or, or acting on them, right? So um, that has its place too, but just having that awareness piece of like why you're doing certain things um, would save most people a lot of trouble in their lives. That's an awesome answer. So I want to thank you for joining me today. Thanks for having me. I really appreciated the chat. Thank you for listening. And as I always say, maybe too much, maybe not enough. Your ratings and your comments on iTunes, positive comments. I'm still never going to forgive whoever it was that uh, gave me the one out of five on on iTunes. Like, do you even listen to the lifestyle chase? Like, what what are you rating one out of five? I need some help to bury that a bit more. It happened like right at the beginning, probably like five episodes in. Somebody just got on there and just rated it one. And I don't know what was going through their head. So if that pisses you off too, and I know I've brought it up before, but like I have to play that card because I need all the help that I can get. Um, being that this is a podcast that is free of advertising, the only shout out is to make sure that I don't go in the hole for being a podcast host because being a podcast host costs money. We have to uh, pay a hosting fee. Aside from that, I don't generate any revenue, so that's why I promote myself to try and get you to promote me and so those tags and those shares and social media and the ratings on any podcast platform that you use go a long way because it enables me to be able to reach out to these very busy guests with uh, where time is not just like an abundance like where they have to actually block out time for this stuff they actually have to stop and like forfeit an opportunity to be with their family or forfeit an opportunity to be coaching somebody to pay their bills like they are blocking out time to be on this show and to share their story with you so if you can help me elevate the lifestyle chase then i can help you by bringing on more guests of all kinds of different backgrounds and expertise and just to help make us all a bit more bulletproof thank you for listening have a good day